0: Now, monumental sports and entertainment along with PressBox presents Stan the Fan's Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stand the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away.
1: And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday, October, the... 5th. 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 That's right. Tomorrow's the 6th. Ravens play in Pittsburgh at 1 o'clock. Maryland, University of Maryland football team, after that incredible spanking by Penn State. They traveled to Rutgers this afternoon at 12 o'clock. Twelve is, the noon. Game, is the game on the Big Ten Network? I would think it's on the Big Ten Network without knowing uh, right offhand. All right. I, that's what <laughs> I've heard, but I'm not sure. We'll try and check that out. Now, we got a lot of baseball to talk about, but we'd be remiss being the first press box event uh, since this news broke, I guess, overnight, Craig. Jeff Barker has a terrific piece. I think it's with Pamela Wood Mm -hmm. from the Baltimore Sun. Uh, They've written a piece, an extensive piece, which I haven't had time to fully read, but I can comprehend. Apparently, all parties are in agreement, that being uh, the city of Baltimore state of Maryland, and the Maryland Jockey Club. Well, actually, I take it back. The state hasn't chimed in yet, but the two parties, Baltimore City and the Maryland Jockey Club and the Stronic Group, have agreed to a plan that will keep the Preakness in Baltimore quote-unquote forever, and that's
2: pretty exciting news. Well, at least for four years uh, to begin with. Okay, yeah. Until they get uh, all of the particulars uh, worked out. And yep. uh, y- you had mentioned they hadn't heard from the state yet. Yep. And uh, that's part of it. Uh, but that's great news. That means that since I live probably less than a mile away from <laughs> Laurel Racetrack, and really, folks, it is all about me. <laughs> we can, Almost like we if can it keep, was a fantasy. Life uh, exactly. But... We can keep our streets void of traffic down there. All right. Well, <laughs> that's that's the important thing. Uh <laughs> But that is great news. Uh, there's a no. lot
1: of there's a lot of moving pieces in this, but I think um, acting mayor Jack DeYoung, uh, Jack Young, uh, and uh, Alan Rifkin and Belinda Stronic on the part of the tracks, and Rifkin actually is the lawyer for the tracks. A lot of good work going on, it seems like, and dealing in good faith uh, to bring a closure to what what would be you know given. The condition the city is in right now, it it gives the city a much needed shot in the arm.
2: Right, and what that what what this all involves too is the land around the racetrack, yeah. which uh, that that's really kind of what needs to be settled on is, you know, making sure that that land is available to be purchased and then all the development that goes up around it, a- which would be fabulous a- in that area. Apparently, what's going to happen is that the Maryland
1: Jockey Club is going to. Deed that to an entity or the city to develop the land around. And there. I think
2: it's the city. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the way I read this story, I heard this story yeah. coming up uh, on WTOP down in DC, uh, is it's the city and and they will develop the land around there and uh, shops. One one key component to this though is the
1: the state legislature. If they're in agreement with all this, will have to go back and renegotiate something with the casinos Mm -hmm. in Maryland that will extend the life. It was supposed to end in 2026. A percentage of all profits at all the casinos goes toward um, uh, uh, construction, rehab of the tracks, uh, furnishing improvements to the Mm -hmm. tracks, and that would expire, and they would need that to run like another eight years or ten years. Now, what will happen is there will be some sort of horse trading and there will be some little tax give back to the casinos to get them to agree with this. I think that's what's happened in the past. But, again, uh, this uh, breaking news over the last 12 hours or so that uh, apparently – the Maryland Jockey Club and the city of Baltimore have reached some sort of accommodation, uh, which still needs legislative work and approval, but uh, the Preakness doesn't look like it's going anywhere. No. And, and that's
2: pretty exciting. That's exciting news because uh, the city needs the Preakness to be right where it is at Old Hilltop. And, uh, its I mean, it's a tradition more than anything else. I mean, we all... We all know what it means, for, you know, in terms of revenue and the state and everything else like that and the city. But if you're a horse racing fan and, you, you know, they're – because along the line, Stan, and you know this because you, 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 you like horse racing. Yeah, I do. You know, and they, they wind up – you know, the dates keep getting shorter. The, the runs at each of the tracks keep getting shorter. Uh, this is going to be a really good thing. Yeah.
1: Okay. So we just wanted to get that out there. Uh, And We don't often peddle people over to the Baltimore Sun, but the story is on the Baltimore Sun website, and it's big news in Baltimore. Big news, uh, Craig, let's very briefly touch on all four series, because we're going to save some more discussion of the four series for a little bit later on in the program. But uh, yesterday afternoon, Houston took care of business. Uh, Fair to say that Kevin Cash is... Use of the word Verlander mm-hmm. uh, is apt as
2: they were yeah, beating ap- ap- six to two. Apropos, seven innings, one hit, eight strikeouts, a hundred pitches on the nose, and he was just dominant all day long. Uh, and and yeah, the uh, the the Rays wound up getting the, you know a couple runs late there, but by that time the 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 hay was out of the barn as jerry sandusky I, would say <laughs> I,
1: I would say also that kevin cash
2: look you're playing for
1: all the marbles here so you you want to try and be as greedy as you can the notion that Tyler Glasnow was going to be expected to give more than four innings yeah. after what he's come back from, missing like, what, four months right. of the season? He's just been working back into shape. I know that he his pitch count was uh, going to be allowed to go into the 80s, but he gave them four brilliant innings and not so brilliant in the fifth.
2: Not so br- brilliant in the fifth, but... Uh... You know, Jose Altuve got a pitch he could drive, and he hooked it right inside the foul pole, down the Crawford boxes, and uh, they wound up adding uh, two more runs on an error uh, in that inning because they scored four in the fifth. By Brandon by, Lowe. By Bra- yeah. And, uh, you know, and so... That was the game, essentially. That was pretty much the yeah. game, especially with the way Verlander was pitching. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, I'm not going in chronological order. We're just staying in the American League for a second. New York Yankees... Fell behind early last night, two to nothing on a Polanco home run and another run. Uh, but they got they got to mashing a little bit in this ball game. And uh, again, the the problem they have Paxton didn't pitch great at all last night. But the problem the Twins have is they don't have any starting pitching answers. No. Uh, for a lineup like uh, the New York Yankees, and
2: that's the bottom line to it. We know that you know we know that the the Yankees can throw out. You know, Tanaka and Paxton. you know, and they do have a little bit better starting pitching right. than, than do the Twins. And but Severino, for as long as he was out, may be in a tiny bit ahead of glass now right? And maybe being able to give them a five-inning performance. Right, exactly. And, you know, but then it's up to that bullpen. And, you know, I saw Zach Britton's effort last night. That was pretty good. Uh, leading, You know, coming down the stretch, they didn't really have to use closer, so... Uh, you know, with the 10-4 lead, and, and they go on and they win game one. But, uh, you know, I'm not ready to count the Twins out of it yet because they do – I mean, they can do what the Yankees do a whole bunch, and that's mash the baseball.
1: So now the Yankees will pitch Tanaka in game two. Right. Is uh, Rizzi pitching game uh, two? No,
2: or? there is – Uh, it's not Rizzi. I can find out who it is. Right, God, it right, can't right, be right. Martin Perez. Uh, uh, no. Hang on a second, I can find out. Did they acquire uh, John Means overnight? (laughs) No, no, but but that would be a welcome (laughs) addition if (laughs) if that were the case.
1: All right, Uh, I want to hear that before we go into the National, where both series are knotted at one apiece, and both series much more interesting than the American League series.
2: Well, yeah, and closer, and uh, you know, I got to be honest with you, uh, it is uh, Domnick. Dobnik? Yeah, okay. Dobnik. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He
1: came up late yeah, in the season. Yeah. Okay. Dobnik. R- R- Randy that just Dobnik. That doesn't sound like a winner. Randy Dobnik. Okay. Yeah. Dobnik versus Tanaka. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I don't want to besmirch Dobnik because I haven't seen him pitch.
2: <laughs> He'll go out there and throw eight yeah, scoreless, right. I, I and this one will be sitting at scratching
1: his head. I didn't
2: besmirch him. Yeah, I, I know. didn't. I checked you myself. Check checked yourself right there. But it doesn't sound good. <laughs>
1: go, On the face of it, it doesn't sound good. Right. Now, uh, speaking of sounding good, the Atlanta Braves, in all intents and purposes, you give St. Louis credit, they blew game one. Um, an odd thing happened. They brought in a relief pitcher with 3-1 to one lead. He didn't throw one pitch. He got hurt during his warm That mm-hmm. was Chris Martin. They brought back in their failed closer, Luke Jackson, quickly. Don't know why that wasn't Shane Green. But uh, the Cardinals uh, put together, what, uh Six runs more, yeah, in that game, yeah. and then had to hold on uh, for a seven-six victory in game one with the arguably the best pitcher in the National League from like July fourth on, Jack Flaherty going, and the um, Braves were able to to eke out a victory yesterday.
2: Well, yesterday uh, Mike Fultonavich was just great. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, on point uh, with the seven innings that he threw. And uh, when you stop to consider what he was through this year and then getting himself back and ready to pitch in these kind of games and these kinds of situations, uh, Mike Snicker's in pretty good shape. I mean, you know, Brian I think, Snitker, or Brian uh, they, they have a situation there where, you know, it's the same way with the Nationals and the Dodgers. I think if you're the visiting team, you just want to go in there and, you know, send yourself home with a split. And both teams were able to do that, the Cardinals and the Nationals. So. Yep. So let's talk for a minute before
1: we get Todd Karpovich on. The Nats last night um, got six brilliant innings out of a guy named um, Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg. Yeah. And then they got uh, – how did they piece it together? Scherzer came in in the eighth and, inning.
3: And Who do, pitched do, do, do Doolittle, Doolittle pitched the do seven. Doolittle gave up a home, a home run, run to
2: M- Muncie on a high fastball. Uh, but I think again, Doolittle is is back to being Doolittle in terms of throwing the baseball, and that's a good sign going forward here in the postseason. Well, it certainly was a wild victory last night by the Nationals.
1: Your thoughts? Would you have guessed from three thousand miles away that Scherzer was available? I knew he, I knew he
2: was available, and I knew it was a possibility. Now, does that
1: alter? Who starts Sunday's
2: game? Depends on how. I mean, he only threw thirteen pitches, I think, in in that inning. So, uh, and he strikes out the side, and he was just he was dominant, na- nasty, yeah. filthy last night. Yeah, yeah. and he was,
1: uh, I'll tell you, that is one incredible competitor. Yeah, he oh was, yeah. When he got through that inning, his his trip through the dugout yeah. was really a lot of fun.
2: Yep, absolutely. Well, that's what we've seen down there ever since he got there, and. Uh, uh we've seen the no hitters the two that, that that we've had a chance to see is him as a nat we've seen the 20 strikeout games and that's kind of what he brings to the table each and every time he goes out there uh is is that kind of competitiveness and that kind of intensity and you know, to do what he did last night in that eight, in, in that eighth inning to set the stage uh, for Hudson in the ninth, and um, although that was a that was a heartbeat, that was a heartbeat uh, tight, tight rope act. That was a full pack. That was a, that was what Earl used to call a full, a full pack. pack. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what a great pitch to strike out. You know, to 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 end the game. Uh, I I th- I think they paid the highest compliment I've seen
1: in a baseball game in a long time by walking intentionally walking the winning run of a game in well, Max Muncie. Well, they,
2: well, they walk, they walked the tie run at that point. I'm sorry, they walked the tie run. They, right, then they, and then, then they walked the uh, next uh, batter. Yeah, unintentionally, right? Unintentionally.
1: right. Uh, but walking Max Muncie, <laughs> I totally agreed with that
2: move. I totally agreed with it too, and you know, but I I was sitting. Uh, I was sitting with our friend, Nick Triantopoulos, and I said, I don't like, I said, I understand it, but I don't like walking the tie run to the, you know, to put him on first base. But it worked out. Yeah, that was quite exciting. Yeah.
1: What are you asking me? The
2: What's for dinner? What?
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, (laughs) it
0: it just, it didn't look like
1: a four to me. Okay, no, that's what it is. What do you think all of a sudden? I mean, we call him every week. Okay, it's
2: chicken scratch. You know you can't read chicken scratch. No, the
1: uh, the copier didn't copy it dark oh. enough. But uh, sometimes, okay. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So we've got the two series in the National League, a game apiece. The two series in the American League, one game leads. Right. And today
2: is a today's a travel day for the National League. Both series. So the no, American League are in
1: action. Right. I think at five o'clock. Today. Five and nine. Five and nine. So Houston and Tampa at five. No. Houston, 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 Tampa
2: at 9 tonight. Oh, and that's the, right. And the, the Yankees, Yankees are at, one, at, five, at five, 5 o'clock, o'clock right? I'm sorry.
1: And the Yankees are the home team, and Houston is the home team right. tonight. All right. Um, so, let's uh, – did we get him? He's not answering. Oh, well. First of all, let's remind folks to like and share the show. Okay. That's the first
2: thing we need to do.
1: Okay. And now I've got to, I I don't know why he's not answering, because he's got to leave at 1030 to get to the uh, Navy game today.
2: And now that's uh, down in Annapolis, and uh, I think we may have gotten him now. Okay. Trying to little communication issue with Mr. Karpovich.
1: Uh, but seriously, folks, uh, please, we work, we work pretty hard putting this show together, believe it or not. Please like the show and share the show if you are on Facebook, all right? Did you see that thing I shared last night? That was one of the greatest videos I've ever seen. Oh, with the, uh, with the dog yeah. playing piano? Yeah. <laughs> with the little girl dancing yeah. in the background and the dog howling? That was a good one. Thanks for liking mm-hmm. it and not, sharing. Not a it. problem. Okay. Uh, do What's.
0: There, there must be some technical difficulties with
2: the phone line. Is
1: this the phone? Fu- uh, hello. Hello. Is that the number you're seeing there?
0: Uh, I I saw 403. I don't know why I saw 403.
1: Okay. Because we call him every week. His number doesn't change. Okay.
2: <laughs> anyway. All right. Last night. During that game, I thought that uh, b- besides the pitching, right, you know, I thought one of the big keys for the Nationals and one of the things that they really needed to do, they were able to do in that first inning, which was hop on Clayton Kershaw. Started with the Trey Turner double down the left field line. Uh, they wind up getting Rendon's uh, double off the wall. I thought when he hit that ball that was going out, right, uh, but it hit the top of the wall out in left center field uh, and. You know they wind up uh, getting the three runs on the board against him, and boy, he settled in as you knew he would. And uh, you know, runs and runs and base runners were hard to come by. All right, joining us right now is Todd Karpovich.
1: Todd, sorry about that. Uh, my producer today somehow thought you magically changed your phone number because he couldn't because he couldn't <laughs> read fine, it. He, he couldn't read uh, the the printer didn't print it. Well, it's the enough. one. It's the one we wrote on the bathroom wall. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Kilroy, <laughs> Todd, you've got double duty today. You're heading out to the Naval Academy. Who's Navy hosting today?
4: Air Force, so out Naval Academy.
1: Wow, uh, yeah. first
4: first leg of the commanders commanders cup. So it's a it's a huge game for Navy.
1: Who's favored in that game?
4: Air Force is favored. Air Force has scored like 36 points a game and giving up 18. They beat Colorado on the road. Uh, they beat San Jose State. They 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 got a good team this year. This Air Force team is.
1: The best they've had in a long time. All right, and this game is on at 3.30. Yes, CBS Network. CBS Network. All right, that sounds great. Uh, the Orioles this week, uh, let's talk a little bit. They made some coaching changes. We talked they, about
4: that last week,
1: remember? Yep, yep, and you yeah. were right on the money. Uh, yeah. They ended up uh, not retaining Howie Clark, the assistant batting coach. They also did not retain first-base coach Arnie Baller and uh, John Wosden, the bullpen coach. I'm imagining, Todd, and the club hasn't tipped their hand on this, but I'm imagining that Chris Holt is going to be on the Major League coaching staff next year.
4: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And also, um, you know, these guys were one-year deals. Yep. We don't know what happened behind closed doors. They may have been understanding that, yeah, they were, there were, they were going to be a stopgap, but who knows. But, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but, again, we, like we said last week, they, they have some time now. Um, to find some guys, you know, to find some guys that can really fit in fit into what they're trying to do. So they're gonna they're gonna vet the process. And also, you know, teams are gonna let some coaches go. There's gonna be some shake up around the league. I w- some I w- good guys are gonna become available.
1: I wonder immediately, I mean everybody thinks it's a fate accompli right now that Joe Madden's gonna end up with the Angels and would yeah, probably wanna, right would <laughs> probably want to retain his coaching staff from Chicago but you don't know what he's walking into. They may have a couple coaches that have two-year contracts or something that he's going to retain. Maybe Brandon Hyde can can get one of the guys from the Cub uh, organization that might be a free agent right
0: now.
4: Yeah, I think a lot, like, a lot of guys would kind of sort of, you know, um, be on board, you know, going meeting, meeting back with Brandon Hyde because they have a relationship, there's a knowledge there. Yeah, we don't know what Madden's going to do. Apparently there might be a bidding war for him. Yep. So we don't, you know, we don't, uh, we don't know where he might wind up. But I would say, yeah, the Angels are their favorite. But, yeah, I agree. If some of those guys in Chicago become available, I'm sure. Brendan High may have already talked to him. You know? Right. Depending on, you know, we don't know. Again, we don't know what's happening behind closed doors. But I, 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 I could definitely see him reaching out to some guys he knows and some guys he wants to bring in he's comfortable with and they're on board with the plan and, you know, guys you know, he can trust. Because this sort of was, a, um, let's face it, this is sort of a mishmash they had to put together because it was so late. Yeah, you know and I, mean? I think
1: you make a good point. Look, in the case of Howie Clark, they retained him because he was here and had a product knowledge that could help probably the rest of the coaching staff a little bit. But in the case of Arnie Baylor, uh, they probably knew he was a one-year fit, m- most likely. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah I think, I think these, the guys, these guys are good baseball guys. Now, this hold. Uh, I remember hearing an interview with John Means and Chris Holt's only been with the organization since maybe, you know, January of last year. He gave Holt – this was an interview I heard with Means, like right in the beginning of the regular season, and he gave credit to, at the time, I thought he said Chris Hoyles for helping him develop his change up, but I misheard that, and it was Chris Holt. Yeah. Uh, Holt may be more like – almost like Dom Cheaty's role – Almost like an assistant pitching coach rather than a bullpen coach.
4: Yeah, and guys, if, if, if guys are comfortable going to him, you know he's got some knowledge. He can help guys out. And, and John Means was that guy, you know. I mean, these guys, these players, they they get comfortable around certain coaches, and if, you know, if these guys can help them, which is the case here, you know, that's what they're going to do. There's there's, you know, there's some good guys to have around. Uh, as
1: as we know we, we know we've only got you for a few minutes now. You wrote the book on Buck Showalter. I thought it was a real long shot that he would ever manage again. But this Mets job, I think that Girardi, unless they really want to go out in a bidding war for Joe Madden, I think that Buck Showalter and Joe Girardi are the two top candidates for that job because I think that Brandon Brady, uh, Brady Von Wagenen, Knows one thing already after one year as general manager of a baseball team in New York City that it might be a big help to have a manager that's got an awareness of what New York media is like. And yeah, Buck I, Showalter- think is
4: going, I think Showalter is going to Chicago. I mean, I, that's my um, that's my prediction that he takes over from Madden in Chicago. Um, he's a proven winner, and I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I don't think the Mets have some talent. You know, they showed late in the season, and Buck. Buck's already been, you know, he's been with the Yankees. If you can, if, if you can survive the Yankees and dealing with that, you can almost, you can pretty much deal with anything. And they, they, the Mets are a second, close second to the Yankees as far as the media and how they travel. But um, and I think, yeah, I think Buck. I think Buck would be a good fit there. I think he can handle the market. I think he can handle the players. I think they're – And they're a team that's – It's a better situation when you hear it with the Orioles.
2: Yeah, they're they're a team that's ready to win. Wouldn't you agree Yeah, I would think so when you think about that pitching staff, if they can stay healthy, and that's been their – Achilles' heel, if you will, over the last three, four years, is the fact that their, you know, their starters can't stay healthy for a full season. Uh, but if they could ever get that straightened out, and they also
1: have finally developed their own little uh, cadre of talent, uh, positionally. I mean, oh, yeah. Peter Alonso, I mean,
2: J.D. Right. Smith,
1: and um, they could even have some appearance by Cespedes next year, mm-hmm. and maybe Jed Lowry, who missed the entire year. With what was thought initially to be a fairly insignificant injury, but it uh, it took him away the entire year last year. Right, and they got money; they can, they can go and they can go and grab people. You know, it's a big market team. I'm going to disagree with you on Girardi. I think Girardi, as I, as as it's become more known, I think he was very resistant in New York. In New York, I think he okie dokie Brian Cashman and his team on analytics. And I don't think Theo, uh, Theo Epstein, and his guys are any less well versed in analytics. And I don't think Girardi is actually a fit there. I think they're going to go with a much different guy. I think like a of Banez, a Mark Loretta, somebody that hasn't managed that they can kind of put in position and do what they want to do.
4: No, they're also one of those clubs that you know they're sort of a win now club now with the Cubs. You know, so they. They're going to need somebody to you know steer the ship, you know, right away and get them back in, get them back in. It's the interesting
1: because you know? I do think Girardi is is a win now guy. Yeah, uh, I think he's, so, uh, he's a heck of a manager. So I mean, me personally, if I were picking for the Mets, I think <laughs> that, I think that Girardi might be the right guy over Buck. Yeah, but I
2: don't. Yeah, think- I don't know if he wants to stay in
4: New York though. he he. he, he Talk about Girardi, he he's sort the, 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 the thing I got from, from the other media is that he sort of butts head to some of the younger guys, some of the work habits. He's sort of an old-school guy. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely got to be the right fit of a mix of players for him.
2: I just don't think Girardi is a win-now guy like, say, Dave Dombrowski is a win-now guy uh, in, in terms of a general manager and their philosophies. I mean, I, I you know, because that's that's all – Dave Dombrowski is. I mean, he's not He's not into youth movements and things of that nature. He's into getting the players to win now, and he doesn't really care how much money he has to spend to get there. Right. I think Girardi,
1: the fit for him, would actually be a place like San Diego where he's got well, both. I was
4: just interviewed there yesterday, apparently.
1: Yeah. They're talking to Ausmus. yeah. Yeah. Osmus is going to be a, con- a candidate there. There's no question about it. Well, I yeah. It and, you know, down, I'm, I still haven't
2: figured out the Osmus thing in, in L.A. with the Angels. Yeah, I mean, well, they there. just said
1: uh, it's because they wanted to make clear way for Madden. Yeah. Right?
2: Well, I mean, if
1: Madden yeah. didn't get fired, Osmus would have come back for another. I quarter. agree with that. Yeah. Well, that um, part of it I agree yeah, with. But, yeah. you know, there's. Uh, I mean, what? Todd, we've only got you for a minute. Just one quickie. Uh, the Orioles uh, didn't waste any time uh, in the off season for making a small but interesting move in picking up a pitcher that I think is significantly an upgrade over guys like Jimmy Acobonus, David Hess, and that's the Cole Sulzer move. They added him to their 40 man roster because Tampa had to let him off of their 40 man roster yeah. to make way for Yandy Diaz. Your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I mean, well. Tampa, Tampa, probably knows pitching better than any other MLB club. You know, and that was a it's a good move by the Orioles to try to pick him up and bring him in, and see what he can do. And there again, it's an opportunity for him, you know, to kind of you know gain some ground and be part of, be part of the staff in, uh, in twenty twenty. I think it was a good move by the Orioles, and they have some flexibility to make those types of moves. I think it's a the Orioles are moving in the right direction. I mean, they, they really are. I'm, I'm a little confident in what Michael Glass is doing, right. and, and, and
1: where are moving. Todd, we know you got to get out to the Naval Academy. Again, Air Force at Navy. The game is a sellout. It's on the CBS Sports Network. Thank you for uh, your time this morning. Thank you, guys. All right. There's Todd Karpovich. We just heard him in the Live Casino Hotel studios. And we remind you that uh, we are brought to you by Live Casino Hotel. Let me get a couple other sponsor mentions out of the way because they're important. They pay the freight here, and we remind you that the bat round every Saturday morning is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center and ask for Mobile One. Um, Craig, if you're looking for a sports bar, Slider's Bar and Grill across the street from Camden Yards is the perfect place to watch all home and away Ravens and Caps games. Sliders has drink specials every day and is the home of fancy, clancy beer. Go to slidersbaltimore.com for all Sliders events and specials. And let me remind you that Ken Zalis is back and fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your football fantasies anyway. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show is every Thursday at 11.30 a.m., part of the Glenn Clark Show. KZ helps you set your lineup for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at fantasy.facebook.com slash sports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. We're going to take a timeout now uh, when we get back. Craig and I I are going to talk a little bit more about these series in detail and uh, what each and every team has to do to be able to win their series or whether a couple of them may be almost over already.
2: We'll give you an idea of just exactly how dominant Strasburg has been in the postseason starts. That sounds like a
1: a plan. Uh, We'll also remind you that we've got about a five-minute clip I want to play Glenn Clark this week had uh, on the Glenn Clark radio show, heard here and watched here on Facebook Live, uh, had Jim Callis on uh, to talk about next year's, the 2020 amateur draft, the MLB draft that takes place in early June. Uh, It's an interesting listen. Uh, We'll play about five minutes of what was about a 17 or 18 minute interview that you can hear on the archives. Uh, at uh, facebook.com slash Mm PressBoxSports. But right now, we'll pay a couple bills.
0: Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms' world-famous chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms' chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms World Famous Chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms.
5: Sliders Bar & Grill. Just across the street from Camden Yards is your place to watch every Ravens and Caps game this fall. Every game day features food and drink specials and Sliders is set with over 20 TVs so you don't miss a thing. Be sure to mark your calendar for October 6th at 1pm when Sliders celebrates Fancy Clancy for 45 years of being Baltimore's best beer vendor. You can enjoy the Ravens-Steelers game and party with Fancy Clancy and his very own Fancy Clancy Beer. Baltimore's Beer beer vending icon will be leading the charge with food and drink specials all game. Sliders, one of Baltimore's oldest bars since 1835 just 771 feet from home plate. Get all of the specials and events at SlidersBaltimore.com
0: Want to know what's going on in high school football this season throughout the state of Maryland? Tune in to the Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at the private and public school levels, players and teams to watch, upcoming games, and so much more. Every Monday at 12.30 p.m., watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, listen at pressboxonline.com radio for the Press Box High School Football Show.
6: Check out Costa. Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostaZen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere.
0: Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football-shaped container. And if it would be helpful Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half cook it leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three cheese mac and cheese. Cheddar, Parmesan and Romano combine in this classic side baked fresh in the restaurant. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you'd like your party catered by Chick-fil-A. 410- Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square.
4: This is former Terp AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruined the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster and from I the Bottom
0: Our Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo, Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor, never wrestled for PWG, never wrestled uh... in Japan. He is
3: no Kenny Omega. Too sweet, me bro.
4: I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save
0: you. Find jobbing out the podcast tab at pressboxonline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes.
1: We are back on the bat round. and again, we urge you if you are listening to us, we're broadcasting from the live Casino Hotel Studios. Uh, and we ask you to, if you're watching on Facebook Live, to please take a moment to <laughs> click. The like and the share buttons because they really do help us get the good numbers that we get on this show. And it's all up to you. You know, Craig and I just show up and uh, cash a check, a paycheck, right? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Once in a while. Once in a while. Um, You were going to tell folks about the Costas Inn. I was because Because I thought we we were going to do it.
2: I thought we were going to do it before we started the commercial break. Yeah, But but we know something about special places. That's right. And that's the Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard, over in Dundalk. Just absolutely the best seafood around in Baltimore. And great specials on the menu each and every week. Uh, Monday night's crab Are cake. Are you night. saying
1: that they only have good seafood? That there's steaks and burgers and chicken and pasta? No, I, well, I
2: had the chicken parm and, and uh, also lasagna so why you this You say week? they
1: have the best seafood around. Why well, they, the, but why they why do. Give, yeah, I know that. But why not give the other things? Those poor chickens and. You want to do
2: the spot? No. Go All ahead, right, good enough. They have great specials on the menu each and every night at the Costas Inn. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night, steak night. And half price bottles of wine. Thursday is lobster night. You can get that plain. You can get it stuffed with that delicious crab imperial. And uh, I brought home half of a prime rib last night. So there you go. Why didn't you bring it in this morning? Uh, because I'm gonna eat it later <laughs> today. That's why. 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn. Nick Triantophilos, Pete Triantofilos, They treat you like family. All right, there if, you have it. The if costas I could, out. if yeah. I
0: could interject for one sec, we have a music request for you, Craig, yes. specifically for you. Our our listener Keith Zukowski yes. said, I I would like Craig to sing
2: Baby Shark. No thanks. We're not, we're not going there.
1: <laughs> By the way, the funniest thing in game one, not game one, the Brewers game the other yeah. night, was when Zimmerman gets the broken bat single, the bloop single. Right, he turns see? around and he does, he yeah. Goes like that. Yeah, it's the baby shark.
2: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That was close. But Stand. they usually do like this. Yeah, those. right, exactly. And that was a really baby yeah, shark. Yeah, but they'll either, they'll either do it with the hands right. like this. Or the thing or, thing right, thing, yeah. right, right. Uh, anyway, well, you know what? That's that's just all part of what makes this team so fun to cover and to watch as a fan is because, uh, as, as quirky as it is, and maybe you'd look at it and say, "Boy, that's dumb and ridiculous," but it's something that's gotten the fans I- into it. I mean, all you got to do if he's in the lineup or he comes up to pinch hit, and they start playing the Baby Shark song, the entire stadium is all doing, I know. All it's doing crazy! This. It's crazy.
1: crazy. By the way, got to give kudos to somebody I've gotten to know over the last four or five weeks. Alex Chapel did a sensational job in sideline reporting. I know the for TBS for TBS. She's worked for Matson all season long, and she was the perfect person because of her product knowledge of the Nats. Mm. But her interviews with Dave Roberts were terrific. Uh, Her player interviews with uh, the Nats on the winning side. Uh, I just thought she did a terrific job. Yeah, I wanted to give her kudos uh, for that. All right, Craig, we're gonna we're gonna have Bill Latson on in about seven or eight minutes, but right. that gives us a perfect opportunity to chat a little bit about each of these series in depth. Um, game two takes place tonight at nine o'clock. Tampa at Houston. Mm-hmm. They're going with the Cy Young Award winner from last year, Blake Snell, who also has missed. And a ton of time this year, but probably actually he's probably a tiny bit behind where uh, Tyler
2: Glass now was, and I would think they're looking to get three tops four out of Blake Snell. Well, you would think so and, and and again, it's all about you know getting your starter to go three or four with Tampa and then turning it over to the bullpen and hoping they you know they have the right the right mix and the right uh. Formula. Dave Cash, or, or I mean, I'm sorry, Kevin Cash does a really nice job with that, and has, and that's one of the reasons why they're in this position. I mean, they they they're a very good farm system. They're a very good uh, pitching system, if you will, and uh, uh, I think Kevin Cash does just a great job with that, And they're a fun team to watch they, because you you look at it on the surface, you look at it on paper, and you're saying, "Yeah, what's the big deal?" But they prove year in and year out. Now, I mean, I understand this is their first postseason since 2013. Yep. But they always find themselves, you know, in, in, the in, the, in, in the thick of things in the mix. So, uh, it's a look, this is They've a tough division to maneuver through yeah, through the course of the year. And the Orioles are obviously finding that out right now the hard way. But uh, who knows? Two, three years down the line, it may be a lot different. But they've got also not only a tough division to get through, now they're going
1: through Houston, Mm -hmm. and they face Garrett Cole tonight. And uh, the question on ESPN.com starts with the quote, we got verlander can Garrett Cole turn his name into a verb, too? (laughs) Uh, That's a good line because... I think Cole's been even a little bit better than Verlander. Well, you
2: year. could certainly argue that and uh, you know, with what he brings to the table and then oh, by the way, Greinke's waiting in the wings. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and and that's why Houston, God bless them, that's why they're favored uh, to win the whole to win the whole Entelada, right? And uh it's it's tough cuz uh, you know, they they do have pieces in the bullpen too that uh A.J. Hinch can go to, and, you know, you know, he's pretty good at handling the bullpen himself. Yeah,
1: they look uh, awfully amazing at this point in time.
2: Uh, so, we, we
1: like, um, obviously, we both like Houston to win the series. Yankees are hosting the Minnesota Twins early early game today at 5 o'clock right. uh, at Yankee Stadium. They're pitching Tanaka, and uh, a guy named Dobnik is pitching for the Twins that's how much we know about Dobnik
2: is neither one of us I think are well versed
1: with his name enough to uh, know his last well, name and, and that's his first and name. that's
2: pretty much the problem with the twins as we stated earlier it's just the the starting pitching on that club is not nearly number 1 not household names number 2 uh you're wondering how Randy is his first name Yeah you, Randy you you're you're you knew wondering that. you knew that yeah, well, I said that earlier Okay Uh, But, you know, from their standpoint, they have trouble getting linked out of their starting pitching staff. And when that happens, you put a lot of pressure on your bullpen. And, uh, you know, the Yankees uh, were down early in this game but wound up, you know, taking the lead. And then they kind of, you know, all the tack-on runs after that. And that's, you know, that's if you can get to the team's bullpen and you can continue the roll, that's a big deal. Yep, 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 yep.
1: So um, you still give the Twins a little bit of a puncher's chance in this series. Yeah, just
2: because of the ways. And, you know, when they get back to Minnesota, too, uh, I think that helps them a little bit. But uh, I don't expect them to win the series because if it's a Game 5 in New York, uh, if it goes that far, uh, you have to like the Yankees. But I I just don't see the Twins being able to, to pitch enough to keep that offense down even though the Twins are going to score their fair share of runs.
1: Now The uh, National League series, and we'll go through these in two or three minutes because we got Bill Latson who's going to jump on with us for a few minutes. Um, Atlanta-St. Louis, it's an interesting series. I thought when Ad- Atlanta blew game one, and you still give St. Louis a little credit for coming back to win it, but then they have their best pitcher going ready to go in Game 2, you really like St. Louis's chance to take a 2-0 lead, which would have given them a distinct advantage. Oh, going home, absolutely. Going home 2-0, but instead, they got
2: Fulton-evaged. If we can use Verlander, yeah. why can't I use Fulton-evaged? Well, yeah, he they they were fulton <laughs> All right, That's what I said. There you go. All right. Uh, so, that Flaherty, look, Flaherty
1: pitched a hell of a game, and if it gets to a game five, uh, I still probably like um, the St. Louis Cardinals because of how incredible Flaherty has been over his last 16 or 17 <laughs> starts. And he didn't get – it's not like he got rocked last night.
2: No, not, not like he got killed. But I'll tell you, the other part about that, too, is for uh, – I, I think St. Louis played – some of the best baseball of anybody in in all of major league baseball coming down the stretch the last 6 weeks last 6 weeks they were fabulous Now that said can you carry that momentum all the way through but Atlanta has been so resilient all year long especially in the second half they lose Marquez you know Acuña Swanson, uh, Swanson. Acuña was down for a little bit of time before he came back uh, but uh, but I'll tell you this, in game one, Brian Snicker was not happy with him when he didn't run out the, the ball that he thought was gone but went off the top of the wall, and he winds up at first base.
1: Yeah, not, not a good look. Not a good look. And that's
2: something else that they addressed with him doing something very similar uh, earlier in the year. Uh, they, right. pull, they pulled him out, and I don't think he started the next day, to be honest with you. right? Uh, right. So, again. Uh, I think they're was, doing the right thing. I think, tough. De- yeah. I think they're definitely doing the right thing. And now was the message received? Who knows? <laughs> All right. We'll save – let's save the Washington National
1: Dodgers series yeah. to talk to Bill about that. But Bill Watson from MLB.com was uh, at the Yankee game last night. Uh, what was the tenor of the crowd like there, Bill? Oh man, it was uh, unbelievable. It was loud,
7: and uh, especially after they took the lead, uh, it was it was uh, magical to me. So uh, it was great to see the Yankees win that game.
2: And it's, it's amazing too when you say when you, when you say it was magical because I I never thought since they built the new Yankee Stadium uh right. the, the that innovation. that it had that it had the same atmosphere the same bravado if you will as the old place uh that they you know right across the street uh but it, evident- yeah, evidently was, last yeah. night it was yeah it was
7: it really was and uh, i think it in part because the fans want to see a championship it's been uh 10 years since they last saw one and i i think they want to see one uh, this year
1: Yeah, it hit me last night because, you know, because of us down here, these parts, we call them the damn Yankees. Uh, But it hit me last night when you hear that, that they haven't been in or won a series in 10 years. It's pretty surprising. Uh, This team has, I think, uh, I think it's surprised even its most ardent supporters uh, just how good and resilient they are, Bill.
7: Yeah, I mean, they are. I think the biggest worry for most fans uh, is is the pitching, is the the starting pitching. Um, So far, so good. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can keep it up. And uh, so far, it seems like uh, they still have their hold on uh, the
1: Twins. Yeah, they're Bill, fourteen Bill, fourteen and two over the Twins yeah. in postseason uh, over the last sixteen games.
2: I don't know whether you saw this, Bill, a couple of days ago on High Heat with uh, Christopher Mad Dog Russo uh, and and Bruce Shine, but you know, obviously Shine is a big Yankee fan, and uh, you know, unlike Bill Watson. no, nah, unlike Bill Latson, right? No, but uh, uh, you know, Mad Dog is sitting there going, you know. All of these people saying, "Oh, the poor Yankees! Look what they did!" You know, you know. Come on, uh, and he's like, you know, and Shine was trying to bring up the fact that you know all the players that they lost this year, right? And there were a ton of them. Yeah, to be able yeah. to do what to be able to do what they've done is really truly remarkable. Yeah, it really is. Mad Dog wanted nothing, nothing to do to with do it. it. <laughs> nothing well, to do with it. Yeah. Well,
7: listen. you know what? I think that's why. Uh, Aaron Boone's going to win manager of the year because uh, what he did, I mean, with all those injuries, they were major injuries to major stars.
1: Yep.
7: Uh, and they still won 100 games.
1: Never seen uh, any. I've never seen anything like that in my life. So yeah, why, most,
2: well, then why do I get blamed for it all the time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the injuries. I blame you for the injuries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know he's got... You know he's got a voodoo doll back at his apartment in Laurel, It's a Yankee yeah. voodoo doll, and I, and I and have he has the needles in it.
2: And you know. I've left it alone so far this year, but I've got the Latin <laughs> voodoo doll sitting on my counter. He's <laughs> 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 uh, like Abby
1: Costello, huh? Right. Yeah, was, I want to ask you. One, I want to ask you one quick thing about the Yankee bullpen. We know they got Chapman and Britton. Uh, are they going to use Jay Hatt now as a one-inning reliever? It's very interesting to me uh, because I didn't know quite where he fit in, and I know they had a big lead yesterday, but that's how they used him for one inning.
7: Yes, uh, he's going to have, according to Aaron Boone, and I wrote this story uh, last night, I think uh, he's going to have several roles, at least according to Aaron Boone. He's going to be, he could be a log man, Mm-hmm. He could be a uh, setup guy, a situational guy. He could even start. I mean, right. there's talk of him starting Game 4. So we'll, uh, we'll see. But uh, it seems like he's going to have several roles you know, uh, for the Yankees in the postseason.
1: All right. Well, that sounds interesting, and that's a piece people can read on MLB.com. Uh, Bill Latson has been a columnist for MLB.com. What, going on four years now, Bill?
7: Yes,
1: uh, four years. All right. Well, let, me, let me
2: ask you. Uh, ahead, let, me say, let me ask you this about Tanaka today. Uh, uh, after winning game one, you have to feel real good about because to me, he's probably one of, if not the best pitcher. Uh, so from that standpoint, uh, you know, if the sinker is doing what it normally does, he can be very tough on a lot of different lineups. Yes, no question.
7: And you know, he's a he's a muddy pitcher in the postseason. Hopefully, he can keep it up. Uh there is a concern because, you know, during the regular season, he was up and down. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I think mean, they're begging on him to be the money pitcher uh, like he was in 2017.
1: We're talking with MLB.com's columnist Bill Latson, who's a regular on our program, and we appreciate his time. You're listening to it from the Live Casino Hotel Studios, and we thank our friends at Live Casino for all their support over the past several years on TV and our podcasting endeavors, uh, Bill um, Severino, uh, we've seen we've seen something really kind of interesting in this in this early in the postseason and the buildup to the postseason with pitchers like Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, and Severino who've missed extensive time but have come back. now gave the Rays fantastic four innings. Do you think that's where Severino is? Or could Severino even go five or six with where he's built up to now?
7: Well, the way he looked the other day, you know, he could go at least five innings. I mean, his last start, he he pitched five innings, and he looked phenomenal. It looked like that fastball was, oh, my God, it was unhittable. (laughs) So, uh, you know, there was, you know what, if you remember, there was talk of him becoming a, a reliever during the postseason. But after, you know, when he came back, he pitched two games. Oh, man, he looked uh, phenomenal. Yeah. And I, and I think that convinced the Yankees to put Jay Happ in the bullpen. So, uh, as you know, they lost uh, Herman. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're comfortable with Severino as a starter.
1: Yeah. That was, of all the things that happened to them this year, that may be the most stunning is that an 18-game winner on about September 15th or 10th gets suspended for the rest of the year. It's uh, pretty remarkable that how resilient this team has been. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, he deserved that suspension, too. No question about it. No question about it. And he may miss time at the beginning of next year because of it. We'll see how it plays out. We're talking to Bill Latson. Bill, uh, we know you're not covering the series, but uh, you covered uh, the Nationals for a good while. You know Davey Martinez uh, fairly well. Uh, Your thoughts on where the Nationals stand right now. Uh, My guess is you think, like I and Craig, that they got to be pretty happy that they split out in Los Angeles. No question
7: about it. You know, I'll tell you this, though. It goes to show you how how desperate the Nationals are, especially in the bullpen, that they're willing to uh, have their starters become relievers, which I think is a great idea. By the way, I mean what they did with Scherzer yesterday, and uh,
2: Strasburg in the wild card game, game.
7: Yeah, that that tells you what they think of their bullpen. Yeah. Uh, I thought very good.
1: I thought we'd see Annabelle Sanchez for an inning last night. I thought that it probably was his day to throw to stay sharp. Do you think um, the fact that Scherzer threw thirteen pitches on Friday night means that that's going to uh, you know that's going to impact his his start on Sunday? You know,
7: it wouldn't surprise me. It, 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 I'm telling you, it wouldn't surprise me. To see, uh, you know, a pitch on Sunday. It, well,
1: nothing, that's, who they've, uh, that's who they've previously announced, that he was going to start.
7: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the way, you know, and Danny Martinez had to do this. I mean, the way the, uh, the you know, the start of uh, the bullpen has been, I mean, you know, I would surprise be surprised to see... Uh, Scherzer do both roles. It start on Sunday. Uh, you just never
2: know. Oh well, depending on how the game goes tomorrow night, I could certainly see a scenario of Scherzer starting, and maybe you see Annabelle Sanchez out of the bullpen. Out of the bullpen yeah, in
1: that game. Yeah, yeah. You never know.
2: Now, the the tricky part, though, Craig, is this: if they
1: were to lose on Sunday, the game that Scherzer's pitching, and it's no gimme that he's going to win because he's going to be up against Rayu who I personally think should have been the Game 2 starter for the Dodgers. I think they're bowing a little bit to Kershaw. They knew it was going to offend him a little bit that he wasn't number one. But in my mind, I would have much rather had Ray Yu last night. But getting – irregardless of that, um, Corbin has – I looked it up. I don't think he's ever started on three days rest. And if they needed him to start on Monday – that
2: would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He'd be starting on three days'
1: rest. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, but <clears throat> too, the other part of that is at home, at Nats Park, he's been lights out this year. Uh, uh, an ERA of under two, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he, he's just been phenomenal in that ballpark. Yeah. So we'd have to wait and see, but uh, he, he likes pitching there.
1: You know,
7: Carmen was a guy, in respect the
2: Yankees should have signed.
7: I mean, like, during the offseason.
1: Well, they wanted him.
7: Yeah, right, right. There was talk that he was going to the Yankees, and that, if you remember, he was at his
1: uh,
7: his wedding. Yeah, his wedding.
1: Right, his brother, and, I think. or his brother, or best, yeah. yeah. His brother
7: <laughs> had, had a Yankees Like cap. I can't wait for you to sign with the Yankees. Right. I so, think he wore uh, a
1: Yankees cap when he made a speech correct. or something like yes, that.
7: Yes, yes, he did. Yeah. At the wedding, yes. And, uh... And, you know, believe it or not, I think the Yankees could have used him. No doubt about it. It was, it was a great uh, steal by the Nationals.
1: We're talking with Bill Latson. We've got Bill for just a couple more minutes. Uh, Bill, uh, the the Nationals, I mean, Mike Rizzo has had to piece together this bullpen, but it's pretty – and, you know, it's really interesting to go back, Craig, when they acquired Roenis Elias, Elias, that that's the role that's that he became an important guy because now the only left-hander they have is, is, Doolittle. is Doolittle, right? And against that's against a team they're playing. A team with four or five left-handed bats,
2: right? And that's what makes the uh, Ilias uh, injury so hard to take. I mean, is there a possibility he'd be able to come in, or it's 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 done for the I year? I would think he's probably
1: he's done, done for the year. Yeah, he's
3: yeah, done
1: for the series. Yeah, but, but no, the
2: series, yes. But
1: could he come back if they advance?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. They yes. could yes. if he's healthy enough to yeah. do it. But remember what happened the last time he he wound up uh tweaking the well injury. he wound up coming back and, and feeling really good about it and then he winds up tweaking the injury it sets him back again. That that is but that is one
1: of the more bizarre injuries uh, I've ever seen. They tell him specifically <laughs> don't swing and don't run hard to first base and he swung, he swung and he and he ran hard to first yep. base. Uh, really, uh, it set them back tremendously. Uh, but you have to wonder—they had no other left-hander in the organization that couldn't have been more valuable than than say Austin Voth. No. Okay. I mean, they had Ross Fetty, and Voth, mm-hmm. but they didn't have a left-hander. No. Okay. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty big mistake there. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill, we appreciate it. Uh, are we in agreement? Houston rolls uh, Tampa, Yankees roll um, the uh, Minnesota Twins, and these other two series go to five games?
7: Yes, I I think it will.
1: All right. Really appreciate your jumping on with this, Bill. All right? Anytime. Short notice. And we'll look for When's your Mickey Hatcher piece coming out? Uh,
7: it's it's going to be like in the uh, middle of October.
1: Oh, okay. Great, great. You'll let us know, and we'll plug it, all right? You got it. All right, thanks again, Bill. Take care. All right, there you have Bill Latson. Uh, We plugged this a little bit earlier, Craig. Um, And and again, um, let's let's take two minutes real quick and do Nationals-Dodgers because we were analyzing that. So you would agree that Scherzer will still start game three.
2: I'm I'm of that belief, yeah. Okay. Because of only thirteen pitches and the fact that they have the off day today and he can come back tomorrow and pitch and yesterday would have been his throw day anyhow. So Okay. And and who pitches for
1: the, the Dodgers is gonna re you. Yeah. In game four I saw Rich Hill listed. As the Game 4 starter. That's my understanding, at least to this point. Who would you expect to start? If somehow Sanchez were needed
2: tomorrow, would that go back to Corbin on three days rest? I would think that was the way that would work, yes. Because uh, if, if the Nationals are fortunate enough to win tomorrow night, and they don't use or don't they have no need to use Annabelle Sanchez. He'll I start think game four. I think he would start game 4. No
1: question about it. And then Corbin would well, then then they would they start Strasburg
2: in yes, game 5. Yes, yes, Strasburg, And
1: Corbin would be the guy out of the bullpen. I would think so, yeah. They'd be in pretty good position though if they do advance in a game 5 because then you'd have Scherzer ready to start. Now I know Scherzer will be in the bullpen too mm-hmm. on Wednesday. But you'd think that on Friday, I'm guessing that series would start Friday, they would play either Atlanta or St. Louis uh, with Scherzer going in game one.
2: You would think so, yeah. yeah. Putting the I, cart before the horse right, right now because well, a uh, the the guy named Walker Bueller will have a little something to say, say about, about that. that sure, uh, but here's the other point about uh, the Nationals right now, and that's the fact that they won 50 games at Nats Park this year. Right. Okay, so they've got the next two at home. It's, a, it's your chance to be able to win both these games and not have to worry about a Game 5 back out and going all the way across the country again. All right. We're about ready to play that interview from
1: the Glenn Clark Show, but it reminded me about Glenn Clark, and he's got Project Game Day uh, tomorrow, and uh, you'll be able to re- react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests. Joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL Chicks, Sarita Hubbard. Press boxes Ken Zales, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Box Project Game Day is made possible by great partners, Costas Inn, Wise Markets, Glenn Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grills, and the U.S. Army. And speaking of Maryland Live uh, or Live Casino Hotel... I'm sure there's there's a lot of great events coming up, like including next Friday night, Grand Funk Railroad. Yep. What's the song they do? Give me Uh, some. Well,
2: no, can't get enough of your love. Can't get enough of your love.
1: Yeah. You're not going to sing that? No. Okay. You got a fan out there. To well, uh, yeah. Now I,
2: I don't know what's wrong with Craig today. He's just not in the singing mood. Not not in the singing mood. No. We're, not you, we're gotta, not. you gotta do the. Hand we're hand not doing bail. Baby Shark. Are you in the dancing mood. No, I'm not in the dancing mood either. All right. We're he, not doing sang, Baby Shark. We're not doing Can't Get Enough of Your Love. He's Are sang you ever gonna much. finish that sausage. Sandwich? Yes. You are? Yes. Because it's
1: sitting at me, staring at me the whole show. And well, don't look at it. <laughs> i, I got to close my eyes
0: then. He's too full from the uh, prime rib that he took.
1: That's, out. Right. That's right. Hey, there are a lot of great events coming up at the Live Casino Hotel. Rock Legend Grand Funk Railroad this Friday night, October 11th at 8 p.m. Tickets start at just $35. But there's more events if you can't make it to that one, including Live Pro Boxing, uh, October 18th Boz Skaggs November 1st Kenny Babyface Edmonds November 15th Gladys Knight November 22nd Michael Bolton November 30th and more Get your tickets for all of these great events now by going to LiveCasinoHotel.com
2: Gladys Knight is taking the midnight train from Georgia up here to do the concert
1: <laughs> I got. I see what you did you there You see there? Yeah I saw it
2: Uh Glenn Clark the other day had
1: Jim Callis, and Jim is from Baseball America, correct? Jim uh, is one of the foremost experts on the baseball prospect thing that happens every year. Uh, Let's listen in to about five minutes of this interview that Glenn did with Jim
2: Callis. And I'll finish my sausage, Perfect, Perfect timing.
0: Let's talk some baseball right now. Orioles have the number two pick. Jim Callis, from MLB Network, MLBPipeline.com, MLB.com. He's with us here on GCR. Jim, it's Glenn and Kyle. It's great to chat with you as always, sir. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning.
8: Oh, yeah, no problem at
0: all. All right, so is there any chance in hell that Emerson Hancock doesn't go number one overall to the Tigers and somehow the Orioles have a chance at sneaking him next year in the draft?
8: Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Depending on who you talk to, there's two guys who are kind of one and one a right now, and it kind of depends on your tape. You know, there's Emerson Hancock, the right-hander from Georgia, and then there's Spencer Torkelson, the first baseman, maybe outfielder from Arizona State. Um, and those are your two guys. And I don't think one of them is a lock over the other. Okay. So I think you know both those guys could be available at number two. I mean, you know Hancock, you know, you know Georgia right-hander up to ninety eight. Slider can be pretty nasty, flashes a plus change, curveball two, a lot of strikes. You know, The question with him is going to be health a little bit because he was great. His first 10 starts last year he gave up eight runs, and then he had a lat issue. that would line him for a couple of weeks, more of a precaution, and he wasn't as sharp as he got back. He didn't pitch anywhere during the summer. So there's a little bit of a durability question with him, although there's the same thing with Casey Mize a couple of years ago when Mize wound up being the number one pick. And then, you know, Torkelson is a, you know, you can maybe play him in the left field. He might be a first baseman, but he's, he's a big-time power hitter. He's, he's similar to Andrew Vaughn, who went number three in this year's draft, although I think you'd say that Vaughn was a better pure hitter than Torkelson, um, and Torkelson might have a little bit more power. But so, I, I, you know, they're, they're in a good spot. You know, I mean, a lot's going to change between now and June, obviously. But to me, there's kind of two main guys ahead of everybody else, and Vanderbilt's got a third baseman who might be a shortstop next year named Austin Martin, who's right behind him. But it's not like one of these situations where, say, there's, you know, like the year they took Manny Machado, right. and there was a clear top three, and, there, and the Royals picked number four and took Christian Colon because there was no consensus on who four should be. So I think the Orioles are in a, a real nice spot right now.
5: So when you talk about Torkelson, I think that we have a tendency as you know baseball fans and not necessarily experts by any means, but the first base thing doesn't exactly excite necessarily a fan base the way maybe would a top of the rotation talent at pitcher or middle infielder or center fielder, if you will, would. But as Torkelson is part of what makes him such a good prospect, similar to the sense you said with Vaughn, that it feels like it's... Look, there's no sure things, but it's almost a long shot that he doesn't turn into the player, you think?
8: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely, you know, hitters are a safer bet than pitchers. Not that you're going to go safe at one, but, you know, there's a lot of volatility with pitchers. And, you know, pitchers get hurt. You know, Hancock had a minor injury last year, and here's a more of a sure thing. I think you're right. You know, it, it's similar to Andrew Vaughn, and I do think Torkelson might have more of a chance to play left field. Um but you're buying a bat, and, and the thing is, even if he's a first baseman or a left fielder or whatever, and he hits 40 home runs this year, you know, if he becomes a 40 home run guy, you've got that kind of upside, then you don't care. You know if he's hitting 35, 40 home runs and he is first base only, you know you're going to be fine with that. You know, and then the thing is, you know I mentioned Austin Martin, you know maybe if you want you know right. a position player with more positional value, you know, Martins play, played third this year. He's good, you know. He's played second. He could play the outfield. I think they're going to have there's a chance that Vanderbilt moves him to shortstop next year because their shortstop graduated, and he's a tremendous pure hitter. Um, you know, led the SEC in hitting it on base percentage while winning a national title last year. So you know, he, he might factor in there as well, especially if he moves to shortstop and has a big spring.
0: He is Jim Callis, he's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Martin was a name that I really wanted to talk about uh, this year because he was a guy that immediately you saw all the talent there. Um, I, 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 I'm going to compare it, like, where is he in comparison to, say, Bobby Witt Jr., Jim?
8: Well, I mean, it's college player versus high school player. Um, and, and they are kind of really different players. I mean, okay. you know, I think the one knock on, on Witt, if you were putting him under the microscope, and we talked about him last year, is there was some swing and miss with Bobby Witt. You know, not excessive, you know, Chris Davis swing and miss, but, you know, the bat was probably the least of his five tools, Other guys still like the bat. Austin Martin is a better pure hitter than Bobby Witt, and he's proven himself at a much higher level, you know, in the best conference in college baseball in the SEC. Now, you know, comparing him to Witt, you know, Witt, you know, know Witt can play shortstop. You know, you're hoping that maybe Martin can play shortstop, and and even so, Witt would be a better shortstop. Witt's got a stronger arm. Witt is more power over hit than hit over power, so I think Witt has considerably more power than Austin Martin. i I really like Austin Martin, but if you were just grading out tools, you would put Bobby Witt Jr., the head of Austin Martin. Now, if you wanted to, I guess, you know have a more conservative side, you know I think Austin Martin's got a higher floor than Bobby Witt, but Bobby Witt definitely
3: has.
1: All right, there you have uh, Glenn Clark's interview. If you want to listen to the entire interview, go to pressboxfacebookcom uh, slash PressBox.com. Right. Right? Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. I'm sorry. I get confused sometimes. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Go to Glenn Clark and that, that in whole interview, which is about 18 or 19 minutes, is on there. So it looks like the Orioles, Craig, uh, have three main guys. And the top two are uh, Evan Hancock and, uh, and Spencer Torkelson.
2: Yeah, and... Uh, Emerson Hancock, I'm sorry. Emerson Hancock. You yeah. want... Uh, I, you know obviously addressing pitching is the biggest need for this club going forward so we'll see what next year's amateur draft brings. Alright we will see that
1: uh, we're going to be back uh, Mike Bordick is going to join us at about 15 minutes past the uh, hour uh, we'll talk with Mike for about 15 minutes and then we'll have Steve Molesky on uh, to help us get to the wire today. Reminder that you um, Maryland is playing at Rutgers at 12 Mm o'clock. We think the game is on the uh, Big Big Ten Network. Network. Uh, And then at 3.30 on CBS Sports Network, uh, Navy is hosting Air Force in what should be a tremendous game. And then the baseball games today are at 5 o'clock. Yankees hosting Minnesota Twins. That will be on the MLB Network, correct? Yes. And then the um, Houston-Tampa game... Will be on on Fox Sports. No, you know what? They're both on FS1 today. They're both on FS1. That, both on FS1 today. Okay. Yep. All
9: right. There now you go. Now I remember it. it.
1: All right. Let me tell you about a good friend and a good sponsor, and that's Glen Burnie Transmission, located right in the heart of Glen Burnie for almost sixty years. If you suspect you're having a transmission problem, then trust me. You know that feeling. Craig and I drive a lot of miles. You know the feeling. You know the smell. <laughs>
2: and you know what the cost is going right, to be, right? Right. And and it and scares and you. Especially if you drive an automatic. And I mean, I'm sorry, a, a manual transmission. Right. You, know you know what know the smell thing, is, right. yes.
1: That's right. Well, I can smell that those things cost a lot of money but Glenburney transmission can save you hundreds of dollars over taking it to the car dealerships for repair make an appointment for a free diagnostic and estimate call GBT at 855-728-1841 their mission is simple to provide excellent service at a reasonable price go to their website at gbtonline.com excuse me gbt-online.com to check out All of the five-star reviews. Let my friend Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today at 855-728-1841.
5: Sliders Bar & Grill. Just across the street from Camden Yards is your place to watch every Ravens and Caps game this fall. Every game day features food and drink specials and Sliders is set with over 20 TVs so you don't miss a thing. Be sure to mark your calendar for October 6th at 1pm when Sliders celebrates Fancy Clancy for 45 years of being Baltimore's best beer vendor. You can enjoy the Ravens-Steelers game and party with Fancy Clancy and his very own Fancy Clancy Beer. Baltimore's beer vending icon will be leading the charge with food and drink specials all game. Sliders, one of Baltimore's oldest bars since 1835, just 771 feet from home plate. Get all of the specials and events at SlidersBaltimore.com. Check out
6: Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes, and their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out costazin.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere.
5: Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army.
3: KZ, Ken Zales here. I'm back, and I am fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your fantasy football fantasies, anyway. I'm with you for the PressBox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 1130 a.m. to help you set your lineups for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us
0: for the PressBox Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 1130 a.m.
1: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bill Dean dives into the evolution of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, specifically in terms of how quarterbacks grow from their first year to their second year as a pro. Also, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, who has made a significant impact since arriving in Baltimore a year ago. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage to the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com glenn
0: clark and kyle ottenheimer here from glenn clark radio kyle you know i'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show well
5: i i work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us
0: i know you do and the world recognizes it but i want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward okay what do you have in mind well nothing crazy like what about tim tebow oh. or, or how about leonardo dicaprio or, or lady gaga maybe barack obama uh. you know what I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe
5: Jabba Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at pressboxonline.com slash radio and facebook.com slash sports. No one wants to talk to Jabba Chamberlain. And we want to remind you that uh,
1: the battle round is presented by Mobile One. That's right, Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center and ask for Mobile One. We thank them for their sponsorship of the program. Uh, From the Live Casino Hotel Studios, we are back and want to tell you about a high school football show that you're going to want to listen to if you want to know what's going on this season in high school football throughout the state of Maryland. Tune in to PressBox High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at both the private and public school levels every Monday at 12.30 p.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. All right. Uh, Mike Bordick, due to join us, but do have to warn you, he warned me yesterday. He's at an event, some type of charity event, and he said, I'll be able to get off at
2: 11.15, and uh, so if we
1: don't get Mike, we'll just muddle through.
2: All right, we got seven managerial positions open. That's a good one. Mets, Cubs, Angels, Padres, Royals, Pirates, and Giants.
1: And we and we also could and, have an eighth, and, the Phillies. We
2: could have the yeah, if Gabe Kapler gets canned, we could have the eighth. But you know, I'm more intrigued by who gets the Giants' job and which direction they would go. Would they go for a younger guy, uh, more of the analytical type, uh, as opposed to you know Bruce Bochy and and
1: who are the guys on their staff? They got Hensley Mullins. Is right. the other one Ron? Um, Oh, God, what's his name? I thought you'd immediately no. know.
2: What, uh,
1: oh, God, I can't remember. Getting
2: old is so terrible. It really I is. I wouldn't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: No, of course not. You wouldn't know because you're so old you don't know. Right, that exactly. You're old. Right. Um right. Is it Ron Wojak? Whoa. Come on, you know they're coaches. There's two coaches there. San Francisco... San Francisco... Well, I'd have to look Science it up. coaching staff. Hold on. His name's like on the t- tip of my tongue, and I... Come on. Here it is. Full names. Uh, okay.
2: Who? <laughs> and there's no yeah, Ron Wojo. <laughs> no, look
1: at this. Look, at, the, look yeah. at this page. What? It's got... Look at that. Full name. Yeah, no name. And it doesn't say...
0: It's 21st century technology. Oh my
1: goodness! That's what it is. That's really a lot of help. Thank you very much. Um, Anyway, let's let's talk about who are the favorites for the Mets job, in your opinion? Well,
2: Buck Showalter
1: certainly, I think, would uh,
2: uh, draw interest. Do you think there's a good chance Buck or Joe gets that job? I I I personally like uh, Girardi in Chicago myself. Okay, but that's just I don't think he's a fit in Chicago at all. I don't
1: think. I think his reputation will turn off Theo Epstein.
2: Theo and Brian Cashman are oh, pretty but, close. But here's the deal. Yeah. If if Theo knows that already, and right. you, you got to figure he knows it already. Right. Why the hell is he interviewing them? Right.
1: because well, he wants to give them an interview. All right. So, you think Girardi's there. All well, right. to me, that's the biggest waste of time going. All right. So, do we agree Joe Madden is in L.A.?
2: Uh, I would say that would be a good fit for him. Do yes. we think
1: Brad Osmus could end up in San Diego?
2: Yes. Who wouldn't want to manage San Diego? 72 degrees year right, round. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Beautiful women. You know. Beautiful women. The <laughs> Ryan would love <laughs> the that ball job. The ballpark oh, is great. <laughs> Ryan would love that job. He'd
1: do it for $100,000. i hey, would do it uh, for free. Yeah. Do it for free. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> um, giants, getting back to them. Well, Kansas City, there's a thought that Mike Matheny is going to be handed that job, and that's a very unpopular move uh, to uh, to a lot of people out in Kansas City.
2: Uh, could very well be, uh, because obviously he managed across the state. <laughs> and... Uh, but again, Mike Matheny was pretty successful in St. Louis as well, so I, I don't know how bad a choice it is. But but what 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 do the Kansas City Royals people have against Mike uh, Matheny? Uh, the guy to to, to me, <coughs> the
1: guy I'd be taking in Kansas City is um, is Dale Sveum, who's been his bench well, coach,
2: right? And he was in Milwaukee, so
1: right, so.
2: Well, no, he was the Cub manager the first. Well, cup. yeah, but he, he was the Brandon Hyde. I'm saying so he oh, played key. in Milwaukee. Yeah, and he yeah okay. Well, he played right. with a number of teams. Yeah, but uh, I like I like Madden uh, to go to the Angels. I think he's a good fit there just because of all the years he spent in that organization. Uh,
1: okay. Well, here's the here's the candidates for the Giants job. And, and there's a hot new name in it, and he's the Oakland A's coach. Is it Doug Coetzee? Yeah. Mark Mark Coetzee. Mark. Coetze. Coetzee is the new name in the managerial search. Um, here, Mark Coetzee is a strong candidate for San Francisco. A's quality con- control coach is hot new name on that list. Um, and, of course, this story doesn't have any of the other names that I wanted to talk about. All right, okay. here we go. Here we go. Six managerial candidates oh, you're, you're, you're fine. You're fine. F- for that job. That's you. I know. Hens- Wotus. Ron Wotus. Okay. 58. Has long, long, long been seen as a managerial candidate. Served as bench coach for three different managers during time with the Giants organization. Only in recent years, shifting over to third base And Hensley Mullins. Joining us right now is... Orioles play-by-play guy, a play-by-play analyst, and uh, radio and television with Matson and uh, the the Orioles radio network, and that is Mike Bordick. Mike, thanks for breaking away for a few minutes from your event. Tell us a little bit about it. What are you doing? Yeah, it's,
3: well, I'm right the warehouse, and uh, it's Catherine Leaf Services. We're uh, having the fifty thousand meal challenge today, and. Uh, Boy, Orioles are nice, and nice enough to let us use the warehouse, and we've been doing it for four years now, and we actually started, uh, we've had events down in Sarasota over the past three years, so just to build awareness of global hunger, and uh, you know, the CRS, the Catholic Relief uh, Service, is international, uh, internationally located right here in Baltimore, so the you know, the headquarters is right here, so it's a great cause, obviously, and, and uh, fun to be a part of it today.
1: So, today, is today to an event to raise awareness and money, or are you actually feeding people today?
3: We are actually making meals today. 50,000 okay. meals we're packaging up and sending over to, uh, oh my goodness, over to Africa, a small town over there. Wow. Um, yeah, so...
0: That's good. Yeah,
3: it's it's pretty. uh, It makes you feel good. Yeah, and uh, it's nice to see so many groups uh, came in today. We got 150 people in here uh, putting meals together.
1: That's really fantastic. And we we won't keep we won't keep you too long, Mike. um, We we just were kicking around. We had a a a lull right before we got you. There's seven managerial jobs that we know of in Major League Baseball right now. We know you had some interest in the Orioles job last year, and they went in a different direction. Um, Do you have any interest in pursuing jobs outside of the Orioles organization, or you're pretty happy here in Baltimore with what you're currently doing?
3: Boy, that's a a good question, obviously. I I think uh, I'm definitely interested. I, I think I'd love to to have the opportunity to potentially manage uh, one day. Um, I'd love to manage the Orioles, obviously. I think everybody would to kind of help build this up. I yep. know they've got a great manager right now, Brandon Hyde. So, uh, you know, they're they're heading in the right direction. But, you know, I'm going to definitely kind of try to poke around a little bit and see if there are any opportunities at least to get a an interview. And, um, you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But if there's a, an opportunity and somebody's excited about you know, maybe interviewing a a, a fresh new young candidate, and I don't know that I'm young, but <laughs> anyway, I, I'd love You're... the opportunity just to for my own benefit. How about a maybe... how about
2: a fresh new young candidate uh, who's young at heart? How's that?
3: <laughs> there you go. Heist That's is, even better. Heist is even such, better.
1: he has such a way with words.
3: There you go. Heist.
1: <laughs> Mike. Let me ask you the 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 tricky question about that. And a lot of the guys that you see that end up as candidates today, they haven't done what sort of Earl Weaver or Sparky Anderson or Gene Malk did in the old days where they, they spent a lot of years managing in the minors to get the opportunity. And it's a lot different today. Players made some decent money. I don't know what's in your in your bank book, but I don't think you want to go back down and worked for twenty five or forty thousand dollars a year um, do, do you see that as being an impediment to your ever getting a job as a major league manager uh,
3: I, I don't think so uh, not, not nowadays I know we've seen as a matter of fact, I may be more qualified because it seems like more guys are getting hired as managers who were once uh, baseball analysts and yeah. and more work their way through the minor leagues, so there may be an opportunity in that regard, I, you know, I, I think so many guys, though, have been in the game uh, for so long, really their whole life, and, and I've been lucky to kind of evolve with it, you know, stay in through this uh, evolution of uh, analytics and, and uh, you know, a new generation of players and uh, see how they go about their work ethic on a daily basis, so uh, ultimately, though, it comes down to uh, how do you get the most out of each and every guy, and I don't know that that kind of stuff has changed. you got to find ways to to establish relationships and uh, to dig a little bit deeper, to, uh, you know, have a, a player, you know, hustle every time down the line instead of, like we've been seeing it in the postseason, kind of just a little laziness, kind of <laughs> yep. running down the baselines at times. So, uh, yeah, stay on players and, and make them uh, take some responsibility for themselves.
2: Mike, did you get a chance to watch any of uh, the game last night between the Dodgers and Nationals? Oh, yeah, absolutely,
3: man. Yeah, I've been uh, bellied up watching some serious postseason of baseball and, and loving every minute of it. I'm just intrigued by how managers uh, use their bullpens. I, I actually use their rotations, <laughs> you know, yeah. to pitch their way through the postseason. Um, and it's boy, it's concerning, really. I mean, how are you going to win with, uh, you know, a couple of your starters harnessing the load? Uh, so you worry a little bit about the Nats in that regard. But, um Man, oh, man, it's uh, it's so unique, you know, every every postseason, how managers attack it. And, and you wonder, is it more of an analytic kind of approach or is it the gut feel of the manager thinking, okay, now's the time to, to make these moves. Well, so we, uh, pretty we, interesting.
2: We saw in the wild card game uh, that Scherzer starts it and then Strauss comes out of the bullpen and throws three scoreless. Last night, Strauss starts and we see Scherzer come out of the bullpen and just just blow people away on 13 pitches, strikes out the side, and an interesting quote from Strasburg afterwards, talking about routine and how everybody's going to line up, and he says, in the postseason, there is no routine. <laughs> yeah, and I think no, I, I think that probably nails it.
3: Yeah, yeah, it sure did. I I think everybody's uh, on call, and you know, I, I don't think managers would hesitate to even if their starter gets in trouble in the first inning to, yeah. to have the bullpen game. So that's how important these games are and how crucial each win is. And, uh, yeah, it's a different ball game, obviously, in the postseason than it is, you know, in the regular season. So uh, I, I just think a lot of things end up becoming highlighted. Uh, the Im- most important parts of, of baseball, really, defense and how you run the bases. It seems like there has been just a, a mess of mistakes here. Early on in this postseason.
2: Well it's We're- funny. I was gonna do because this is what I was doing to tell you, Stan, before we got Mike on the on the line. Uh Steven Strasberg with his uh, fifth start uh, in the postseason last night and you know
1: He hasn't let up a run in like his, his last twenty four innings. His
2: ERA is .64 in right. those starts, thirty eight strikeouts and only four walks in twenty eight innings.
1: Yeah. He's been remarkable. He's been remarkable. Mm. Let, let me uh, get back to these managers for a second. Uh, you you didn't play in New York, uh, you know, as a, a regular. Actually, you did. Yeah, you played yeah, in yeah. New York with the Mets for a brief time. Um, yeah. How important do you think the experience Joe Girardi and Buck Showalter have had managing the New York Yankees should factor into Brady Van Wagenen's decision to to consider them as the manager for the Mets. Yeah, I,
3: I think uh, a pretty important uh, part of it, really. Somebody that's handled uh, the New York media. Um, it's really a tricky media to deal with, and Girardi and I think Buck dealt with it re- perfectly, really, throughout both their tenures uh, yep. as managers with the Yankees. You know, I, I think a lot of times, especially in that market, uh, they just part of their gig is to try to create turmoil amongst the players and the staff, you know, and, and just to uh, cause an uprising, uh, if you will, like kind of in the, in the media market. So it's up to the manager to really kind of keep them at bay, keep them off the players. and uh,
1: He's kind of like a lion. To, He's kind of got to be like a lion tamer a little bit.
3: You know what, really, and, and you got to have the players trust in that. Uh, yep. You're not going to throw them under the bus because yep. if there's one negative thing said, whether it be a player or, or a manager or a coach, they will run with it and they'll try to bring everybody down with it. So uh, the manager's got to play that important balancing act of keeping their players uh, focused on the field and then also keeping things, you know, at bay on the off-the-field side of things.
1: I've got one more question for me, and then I know Craig's got one. But um, you, you mentioned the word analytics about five, six minutes ago. You've done some really informative and entertaining pieces for Masson with sit-downs with Sig Hyman, uh, Sig Maydow, um, who's the analytics guru. How much have you learned in rubbing elbows with him and talking to him both on air and off air? How much has it opened your eyes to how important analytics can be? Well,
3: I, I think... I think analytics has been important in the game, and I mm-hmm. think it has been since the, the day the game started, really. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, for the most part, the batting average and earned run average is what we grew up with, and that's kind of how you uh, made a determination in your head whether or not a player was good or bad. And to be honest with you, the numbers haven't really changed that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can kind of put your eye on guys and say, oh, yeah, he's a good one, or no, he's not too good. But when it comes down to making trades and, and – Trying to get the most talent in the minor leagues when you're when you're working deals, um, you really need to have that kind of edge. And I think the Orioles are are starting to become an advantage in that regard. Uh, they're able to maybe get a slightly better player uh, just because the analytics involved, and that's just studying some some numbers within a batting average or w- or within an earned run average. How a guy might perform at Camden Yards, you know. So in that regard, I think it's uh, I think it's important and critical from a game standpoint though i don't know that a lot of those numbers come into play i think what's interesting to me is how they how you've seen kind of situational baseball change over the last couple of years for instance bringing an infield in mm-hmm. in the first inning you know so uh playing the scoreboard right from the get go and and you know it all comes down to uh the numbers side of things uh, on baseball why teams do that i think it's numbers generated instead of uh a lot of times it's a gut feel for a manager whether or not to bring an infield in. If it's gonna be a close ball game, three to two, they might try to do it, you know, to to cut down a run at at the plate. So um but I think analytically it's driven in that regard. I think uh based on balls too, like intentional walks. I saw where the Houston Astros didn't intentionally walk one batter all year long. The entire so,
1: season they never yeah. Wow. The
3: entire season they didn't intentionally walk. To set up a double player in anything. Now they got the best arms in the game, you know, with Verlander and Cole, so there might be something to that too. You better have some horses if you're gonna pull off some things like that. And the Astros definitely do. So, so let me you know, ju-
1: let me jump in real quick to to ask a one question, piggyback to that question. Did you watch the the Nationals game? Davy Martinez in the ninth inning went against one of the Cardinal rules, is never putting the Tying run on base, but that tying run was Max Muncie facing a, a a right-handed pitcher. Your thoughts on that 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 kind of gutsy move by Dave Martinez?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's you have to do it. I yeah. there are just situations where you have to do it. The numbers are going to say this guy's going to beat you right now if you don't do it, and you know it just for the feel <laughs> from the big moment of a ball game, especially in the postseason. You know, and but I'm how thinking- do you think Dave,
1: how do you think Davey felt? when then he walks the next guy oh, four damn, the four pitchers. Pitchers. Un- unintentionally.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so there you go. Can, can, can a player, um, can he execute, you know, when it comes to that kind of time in a ball game, you got to know your personality, you got to know whether or not they can execute in those situations. Um, I don't know. I I don't know that there would be many managers that would want to face Muncy, though, in that situation. (laughs)
2: Well, there's no question. And the
3: force on every base.
2: And the fact that he's absolutely killed the Nationals too. That's the other part about it. Uh, Yeah, there's one thing. There's one thing with this Nats team heading into tomorrow night's game three. Uh, Victor Robles pulled up lame trying to beat out a ground ball last night, Mm. and uh, he tweaked the hamstring. Mm. They don't know how serious it is, but he was replaced by Michael A. Taylor. And when you talk about uh, championship teams, playoff teams, and you talk about depth on a roster. Boy, it's nice to have a guy like Michael A. Taylor, who's arguably arguably the best defender on the Nationals, uh, to be able to 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 go ahead and take his place.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think all championship caliber teams have depth in their organization, and uh, if you don't have it, that's what you build for in the off season. The Orioles have been trying to do that. Uh, create some depth here with new drafts uh international signing you know um things like that so the nationals have that kind of depth and it really is nice to get a front line type defender in that uh michael taylor so uh you know they're not going to miss a beat there obviously you'd love the uh robles i mean he's an impact player for sure but hey i, I think uh taylor can do the same right yeah and i think you look in for opportunities to steal a big base, go first and third, and he's the type of player that can do that. Yeah,
1: Bordy, really appreciate it and want to compliment you again for doing what you're doing with the uh, uh, relief efforts uh, for for uh, packing, helping to pack 50,000 meals. Uh, and again, yeah, that's man. for the Christian Relief, uh, what's it called?
3: Yeah, the uh, Catholic Relief Catholic Services. Relief, okay. Yeah, Catholic Relief Services, uh yeah, headed right headquarters right here in Baltimore. Um, yeah, so it's an awesome program. Sean Callahan is the president CEO, and he spearheaded these efforts. So right. that's a lot of fun, man, and a lot of people excited about coming in today. If you ever need
1: anybody to eat a couple of those meals, Craig, well, we're, Heist, we're, Craig we're, Heist and we're, I are we're here. We're here for you, boy. We're here for you to like, sample. <laughs> like, you may need guinea pigs to yeah. sample those. Like, no, this needs, a little, right. this <laughs> this needs a little more salt. <laughs> <laughs> Bordy, I love it. Borty, thanks, <laughs> thanks a million. Appreciate it. <laughs>
3: anytime, guys. Anytime. All right.
1: All right. We're going to make our con- connection right now with Mr. Molesky. Okay. And by the way, that those two coaches that the Giants are going to interview are Ron Wotus and Hensley Mullins. But, you know, a lot of times in business when you got two two guys that are sort of equal and, you you know, if you pick Mullins you're going to tick off Wotus – you, you and you want to keep both of them, the thing to do is really go outside. And apparently the hot rumor is that Mark Kotze, uh, an Oakland A's yep. control coach, um, uh, who played a long time for the Oakland A's, is somebody that the uh, the uh,
2: Giants are interested in. Well, it'll uh, be interesting to see how the uh, managerial positions get filled during yep. the offseason.
1: All right, joining us right now, also from uh, massinsports.com, is our friend Steve Molesky and Steve uh, Towson Tigers who are they playing today and where and when?
9: They will not win today. They will not lose today. They, they are off today.
1: They have a bye. So they, they do. They're home next week, correct?
9: Next two weeks they're home, okay. and so it was, it was good. Uh, Strange scheduling to play a team's that good that deep into the year. So they got an off week, which is good to All lick right. their wounds and get ready to get back to normal FCS life. All right.
1: Is it next Saturday a noon game or four? Four o'clock. I'm going to try yep. and go to that next Saturday. All right. Uh, we thank you for joining us. Uh, have you been watching the the baseball that's been offered up so far? And your thoughts early on any uh, you know assessment of anything you've seen so far?
9: Uh, it's been good i mean it's been good it's been fascinating to watch the nationals maneuver that and you know um they maneuvered it well to get in in this position i mean the game game they lost is the one they had to use their their middle relief their non-stud relievers which is their which is where for them it's probably going to come down to if their starter can go six or seven and get them to the late guys they might be all right and so um you know that's been fun to watch and I was hoping this was going to be the year the Twins would not turn to mush as soon as they saw the pinstripes, but that didn't work out yesterday. And so Houston, to me, looks great, and they look great in game one. So we're going to see, you know, there's always surprises, so waiting to see what they're going to be.
0: When you
2: look at uh, Strasburg last night, uh, to see what he's done in the postseason uh, with his five starts, the ERA, uh 6 whatever it is, and – you know, 28 strikeouts, four walks. Uh, it's, it's been pretty impressive to see him grab the bull by the horns and give the Nationals what they need. And that, you can say that going all the way back to game four against the Cubs a few years ago when, remember, the, the Dusty Baker dust-up, if you will. Was he going to pitch? Was he not going to pitch? He didn't feel well. And then finally he so, said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. And he had a great game.
9: He did. He's been great in the postseason, man. And so it's been fun to watch. I mean, it seemed to me, and you know him better than me, that I think he went less than 50% fastballs in that game. Yeah. Um, You know, on the one hand, you can say, great, great idea. It worked. On the other hand, you can say, if it hadn't worked, you'd get away from your best stuff. But, I mean, they they devised a plan, and, and he executed it, man. He had the secondaries rolling, and. He, he, you know, I mean, he pitched him to a win.
1: What do you make of uh, Clayton Kershaw's uh, postseason uh, efforts? Um, last night, certainly he certainly didn't pitch poorly last night, and I'm not saying that. But he more and more, as time goes on, he's just not as dominant as some people, some other people are in the postseason. It's really a flaw sort of on his resume, and he's still – a first-ballot Hall of Famer, but your thoughts on that?
9: No, I think it's true. And so we've seen this over the years in baseball. There are players who are great players who do not play great in the postseason or on the biggest stages, and they get labeled. And I don't know if that's fair to Kershaw because I don't think he's been out hard in the postseason, but he hasn't been as dominant. And so I don't know. I don't know why there wasn't Barry Bonds for the longest time, didn't do anything in the postseason. Eddie Murray struggled in that World Series, and then Game 5, he tore it up. So, You, you, you know, know what's and, interesting
1: and, about Kershaw is those guys had sporadic appearances in postseason ball. Kershaw now has quite a body of work. Uh, that last night was his 25th start in the postseason, and he's 9-11 now, and his earned yeah. run average is over 4. Now, Mel Antonin last night on uh, Mid-Atlantic Sports Report made the point that, well, if you take those three games away against the Cardinals or two games away, his numbers really are a lot different. And I know there was a time that the Dodgers relied so heavily on him, it seemed like they felt, boy, if we don't bring him back on three days rest, there's no way we can win this series. And it ended up being just the opposite. His performance did them in. Right. And,
9: I mean, four is not terrible, but it's not – uh, what he's used to, yeah. and I mean, this year he might have been the third best starter on that team. So uh, we'll see how that's going to, uh, you know, shake out. Uh,
1: your thoughts this week? Uh, the the decisions uh, not a shocker in this corner. Your thoughts on the the fact that the club didn't retain Howie Clark, uh, Arnie Baylor, and John Wazden.
9: It's hard to know because I have no idea how to to, uh, look at the effectiveness of a coach. We never are around them much. We don't see them work. And so, you know, it could be more than effectiveness or productivity, which this staff seem to always be working incredibly hard to me, that, you know, just some comfort levels. I I don't know. I really don't know. I haven't talked to anyone. I don't know. I have any insight, really. So I'm talking out of turn here, except that, um, you know, some change happens on staff from year to year sometimes.
1: Especially last year, you know, uh, Mike got the job, Elias got the job late, Hyde even later, and uh, probably some of the people he would have liked to have reached out with were already committed. Who knows who's off of uh, Joe Madden's, uh, you know, staff that might be a free agent coach right now. I think Chris Holder is certainly a possibility to take the uh, Wasden job uh, any thoughts there as to possible replacements?
9: None. And so Chris Holt did such a good job with the minors, it would surprise me. But there were rumblings he could move up or something. But yeah. maybe he could do both. I don't know. But the minors pitching is pretty important to me. And so I would think they would want to keep him there. But maybe that's not going to happen.
1: All right. We'll see. Um I had some one other topic to talk to you about, and it just went in and out. Oh, the, uh, you, you covered Buck Showalter for nine seasons here. Um, how do you think he would fit it back in New York City as manager of the New York Mets, and do you think there will be genuine interest on the Mets' part in him?
9: There seems to be uh, some interest on both sides. I The Buck that I saw in recent years – um, seem to get his feathers ruffled occasionally with questions. And from the Baltimore media, is not a tough media, I don't think. And I speak for myself on that. But um, I don't know how that's going to play in New York right now when they hammer away. And then you have a general manager who's kind of likes to wield his power, and yeah. I'm not sure how that plays. I mean, to me, that doesn't seem like a great fit, but he's a big name and he's good. We know that. We saw him be good here. So maybe that's what the Mets need, and they want an established guy to pick up with a team that's not a bunch of kids, you know.
2: I think a lot of people think Joe Maddon's going to take the Angels' job or eventually get offered it. Uh, Brad Osmus, who was just re- you know relieved of his duties with the Angels, uh, there's a lot of talk about him replacing uh, Andy Green down in, uh, in uh, San Diego. So uh, it's very fluent at this point. But uh, I'm just trying to think, uh, in in terms of who might be a better fit, in Chicago with the Cubs, I kind of like Joe Girardi as a fit there. What do you think?
9: Yeah, probably several spots. I mean, with all these openings, it would seem like the bigger-name guys have an in if they want it, unless some of these teams now are so staunchly analytics, and Buck didn't seem to really embrace it to me, that that's would hurt his cause with certain clubs. Um, And, you know, uh, Girardi, I I think, probably more embraced it in New York. And I thought Girardi always did a pretty good job uh, for me. So I would think those two have a shot to get back in the game here.
2: By the way, uh, you know, Stan always mentions when he's on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report, you and I did the show Monday a week ago, and – Everybody knows we sit next to each other at, at Camden Yards yeah. in the press box. They had to have Mel Antonin sit between us. <laughs>
9: yeah, you have to. You have to. It's got, it got uh, messy. You know, I, 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 I that thought the that commercial was, breaks were rough. Man. Yeah, I
2: thought that was a pretty good strategic move on their part. <laughs> well, you got you got to spread the
1: smell around. Well, that's know? what it is. Yeah. Now, Mel doesn't move from that seat. Mel is like an icon in that middle seat. There, there you go. Yeah, there you have it. <laughs> We're talking with Steve Molesky. Steve, uh, it was a small move, but, uh, you know, again, we're not expecting the Orioles to go out and get Garrett Cole this year, uh, but maybe a Cole Sulzer, who's not a kid, but maybe he can give the club 40, 50 innings that are superior to what they were getting from guys like Jimmy Yacobonis, David Hess, and those those
9: guys. I mean, it's just – Turn it over, man. It's, you know, these, these waiver claims, these pickups, when guys are out there, it's just going to be a steady stream of them throwing against the wall to find some guys that will stick. So it's uh, not the first. It won't be the last. And, you know, 2020 to me is probably going to be a lot like 2019. They're still evaluating. They're still learning about some of their own guys. They're still slowly matriculating some of their own minor leaguers onto the team. And, you know, the real test is going to be, you know, when Alex Wells and Zach Louther and Michael Bauman and Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer, and we could name five or ten others, start to get ready to help. Do they have some legitimate rotation Mm -hmm. help there? And if they do, especially if it can be towards the top end, then they'll start to really move, uh, or then they'll realize, uh-oh, these 15 guys that we expected three or four to pop, it's not happening, and we've got to make other plans. But out of, hopefully, qual- quantity will come some quality, and I think that's, that's the step for the Orioles that, that probably won't really start to have impact till maybe second half of 2020 and into 21.
1: Would you expect the catchers, uh, despite the disappointment uh, over Cisco's season, would you expect that the club will not spend an awful lot of energy or resources in trying to upgrade catching right now because they've got an heir apparent that's probably two years away in Adlai Rutschman?
9: I would suspect yes, that's right. Um And maybe they try to bring everybody back uh, up from Bowie up. I mean, Carlos Perez was just hailed at Bowie for the great work he did. Now Mm -hmm. he probably wants to be a major league team somewhere. Yeah. Uh, But he did a great job at AA with those pitchers. And, you know, maybe they make him a good minor league offer to move up with those pitchers and do the same thing because he really did a great job helping them. The people at Bowie told me repeatedly that, our pitchers have been great, but Carlos has been nursing them along the whole way, and he did a big job for those young arms. And so they like that. They like Austin Wins, I think, um, and he's, he could be back. So I think maybe they do kind of hold it with the catching. Maybe they try to add one or two minor league free agents, throw in the mix to see you know, where they can fit in depth-wise and uh, waiting on Adley and to see how his year is going to go.
1: Hey, not, not sure you have any uh, specific insights on this, but, you know, Austin Hayes has had a tough 2018 and a tough 2019 until about September 10th when the club sort of went, uh, sort of changed their tune and invited him to come up or, or promoted him and, um, Your thoughts on why they did the about-face, to me, and I know I'm answering my own question, Steve, I do that once in a while, I think they were hopeful that what happened would happen and that he'd leave this season with a really positive taste in his mouth and have a head start to to being an important piece next
9: year. Well, I mean, the explanation given at the time was, <clears throat> we're sending him to the Arizona Fall League to right. get at some at-bats he missed with injury.
3: Mm-hmm.
9: And then we were told that there was a rule change in that uh, they told the uh, teams that players on 40-man rosters could go as call-ups and report late to the okay. Arizona Fall League, which started this year around September 16, 17, I believe it was. So when informed of that, the Orioles said, hey, let's do that with okay. Austin Hayes. Let's get him some major league at-bats. That way he'll get double at-bats. He'll get some MLB at-bats and some AFL. So then he reports here he's playing great, and he's getting a lot of at-bats. So I think they just said, you know, we don't need him to go to the Arizona Fall League now. And I'll tell you one thing he did for me, and I had a long conversation with him. We talked about improving plate discipline. And he's such a smart kid beyond the talent because for for him that didn't mean I got to draw more walks just that one sentence it mm-hmm. meant i have to chase less i have to zone in on the on early in the count on making sure it's my pitch mm-hmm. and if it's a strike on the outside corner i just take that cuz i can't do big damage with that but maybe the next pitch will hang be a hanger and i can so it was interesting the conversation i had with him about plate discipline while it could lead to more walks it wasn't specifically about i got to walk more it was i got to be a little more selective i got to make sure early in the count i don't hit the pitcher's pitch and if i get a pitcher's pitch i take it strike or ball and then i get you know i wait on the one i can do damage with and he seemed to do that yeah. and he actually got some walks while doing that um so i think uh has a pretty productive 3 week stint for him
1: let me ask you the flip side of that coin Anthony Santander played very well from, I guess it was, I think it was like around June 20th or something that they brought him up. And his last 18 games, he slumped badly. Do you do you think pitchers, I mean, somehow word got around how to get him out? Do you think it was a little fatigue or maybe a combination of both of those things?
9: Well, I don't know the, the answer to that. They did. Hint that and say uh, come out and say that he had some physical issue okay, okay. that they weren't going to identify, and so did that factor in some of this possibly. He he did have before that one torrid stretch that carried him up until the stretch you're talking about at the end when he trailed off. He had a, like a five for forty five before that. So I mean we did see him uh, have battle, battle back from a
1: stretch. Okay.
9: Yeah, he had a bad stretch, and then he started tearing it up again, and then he had a bad stretch at the end. I mean, he he went from like 290 to 270, uh, you know, what not just stretch you're talking about, but one like in, I think, maybe early August, somewhere in there. Yeah,
1: I mean, his on-base percentage his entire time up was in a, two, two, a 325, 330 range, maybe even a little higher, and then all of a sudden I turn around in like September 20th, He's under 300 as their own base percentage. It just kind of. Then I looked at his numbers, and I said, "Wow, he's really been pretty bad the last 15 games."
9: But I, I don't think yeah. they solved him, so to speak, or they found you know he you know it's constant adjustments. And he said that to himself. All right. I think he's a smart kid who showed him enough to be. Uh, he's a middle of the order guy for yep. the 2020 Orioles until he proves otherwise. You know, over more than a couple weeks. And so the defense wasn't too bad either, switch hitter. I think he was, you know, what they hoped for, for the most part, and a lot of high hopes for him moving forward.
1: All right. Steve Molesky of Massinsports.com. thanks for coming on with us. Uh, on some short notice yesterday, appreciated a great deal. All right, guys, you got it. See you out at the Towson game next week. We'll see you next week. All right. See Bye. ya. All right, there you go. Steve Molesky. Craig, got a little business to do. Got to tell you about some shows coming up at the uh, Live Casino Hotel Events Center. Because, you know, we are in the Live Casino Hotel Hotel studios, Studios, right? Right. So let me tell you
2: about what's coming up. No, I think Grand Funk Funk Railroad is uh, on the agenda.
1: How did you know that?
2: Well, I mean, you know. Paying attention? Right, paying attention. Can't get
1: enough of your love, that kind of thing. That's right. 8 o'clock next Friday night, October 11th. Tickets start at just $35. More events coming up to the Live Event Center include the return of live pro boxing October 18th. Boz Skaggs comes back. November 1st, he had to cancel his other show because of illness. Kenny Babyface Edmonds, November 15th. Gladys Knight, November 22nd. And Michael Bolton, November 30th. And there's more to come. Get your tickets for all these great events and check up on who's coming to town now by going to LiveCasinoHotel.com. Craig Heist and I know special ballplayers. We know a lot of special stories that come up. We also know special when it comes to where to eat out in Baltimore. One of our favorite places is located 4100 North Point Boulevard. It's
2: called the Costas Inn. That's right. Where you can get uh, the best seafood around and uh, everything on the menu is great. Uh, Thank you. Thank great, you. Great pasta, uh, raw bar, pit beef, everything. It's, it's fabulous. You know, one of the
1: main reasons to go to the Costas Inn to me is to sit there while you're having a great meal and a great time with your friends and look around and try and figure out just what does Nick Triantafilos do? Well that's that's one thing yeah some would
2: always question that yeah. yeah but
1: it's it's actually to me it's like an entertainment because you just sort of you see him come in the door he never seems like he's particularly frazzled or in a hurry to get anything done then then you go in to the to see him at the office and they're back there, and yeah, you know, he's playing, playing on his computer. I, I just wonder what he does there. A lot of people wonder
2: that. Yeah, the geese P- wonders that. <laughs> <laughs> Pete wonders. He Pete wonders that all the That's time. Right. All right. <laughs> but Nick takes a lot of the credit yeah. for. He everything. does take. He does take credit for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Great specials on the menu each and every week. Crab cakes Uh, on Monday night. On Monday night. Ribs, Tuesday night. Tuesday Tuesday night. night. Steak on Wednesday night night and half price bottles of wine. Thursday is lobster night. Uh, Great prime rib uh, on the menu, uh, usually on the weekends. Uh, the best steamed crabs around. The crab cakes. You can get them shipped and anywhere. The crab
1: soup is fantastic.
2: Anywhere across the country. Forty one hundred North Point Boulevard. Last night, live entertainment. Last night, the Rat Pack. That's the first uh, Friday of every month. And you could not find a seat in that bar last night for their first set. Uh, shortly after nine thirty. So uh, get out to the Costas Inn. Forty one hundred North Point
5: Boulevard. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Pressbox's Ken Zales, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costa us in. wise markets glen bernie transmissions glory days grill and the u.s army like press box on facebook at facebook.com slash press sports and watch project game day there every game day this season
0: i like world famous chicken You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms' world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms.
6: This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at pressboxonline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show.
5: Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army.
1: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bill Ordine dives into the evolution of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, specifically in terms of how quarterbacks grow from their first year to their second year as a pro. Also, Bo profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, who has made a significant impact since arriving in Baltimore a year ago. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage the
0: Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football-shaped container, and if it would be helpful, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half-cook it, leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three cheese mac and cheese, cheddar, parmesan, and romano combine in this classic side, baked fresh in the restaurant. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points, good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you'd like your party catered by Chick-fil-A. 410-931-0031, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. All right, we are back going the battle round, and
1: I do have to do... It's funny, I just put the book away. I still have one more spot to do. Okay, and that is a spot.
2: I'm glad you keep all of that uh, right in line and in order. Yeah, and it's all square, in order yeah. here. The latest edition of Press
1: Box is available now. On the cover, Bill Lourdine dives into the evolution of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, specifically in terms of how quarterbacks grow from their first year to their second year as a pro. Also, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, who's made a significant impact since arriving in Baltimore a year ago. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
2: The two local pro football teams, and I say local because of the Redskins. Yeah. But the game against Pittsburgh... Uh, tomorrow, Right. The Ravens lose that game. Right. Uh, what's the panic level in this town?
1: It'll be pretty Well, it would depend upon how, if they were to lose, like are they blown out or if it's a close well, game? I'm ta-
2: well, even if it's a close game, yeah. if they can't stop the Steelers because of the defense, right. because of the secondary, lack of pass rush, right. can't stop the run, the level of concern at that point – uh, I, I think it would be cons- pretty high.
1: Pretty, pretty considerable, yeah. I think it would really be a quick turnaround from how good we were feeling about it. I'm not feeling particularly great either way, mm-hmm. but I expect Lamar Jackson to be difficult enough for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers to contain that we will put some points on the board, and I think it's enough that we will beat them by more than the spread. Three and a half. Which points. is three and a half. Okay. Yeah. How much longer do you give Jay Gruden there? Well, I mean, it especially depends. Especially in light of, uh, of these videos that came out. Well, you know, of and there's a, lot
2: of, there's a lot of theory out there that saying the Redskins uh, uh, want no, uh, yeah. to, to, uh, to, to, to fire him. No, that the Redskins put those videos out there in order to be able to fire him. Without paying him. Yeah. And, you know. That would be pretty. That would really be probably Well, pretty low. that's what happened with Scott.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, they're uh the general manager McLuhan, Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So, so
1: that's good, that's great.
2: That's that's what you get with the owner down yeah, there. <laughs> that's what you get. That's
1: what you get. That's why their I guess their waiting list isn't nearly as long as it was about
2: 8 years ago. Well, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of people waiting not to go. <laughs> <laughs> waiting to get rid of their tickets. Yeah, and and that spread tomorrow I've seen it as high as 16 right. uh, against the Patriots. and, and uh, That's not going to be a pretty game. That's pretty not going to be a, a pretty You'll game. You'll be at Nats Park, I'll right? be at Nats Park tomorrow. I won't Thank be. Thank goodness. And that's three three games where I haven't had to cover that down there. How about that's that? Great. That's great. Hey, Anytime one, I can stay away from FedEx Field is a good thing.
1: One other note, we usually would like to be promoting our own coverage of it, but the story broke late last night. Uh, the Sun's probably been working on it for the better part of a week. Jeff Barker who does a great job on their sports business stuff, that the um, two sides, the City of Baltimore and the Maryland Jockey Club or the Stronic Group, have come to a meeting of the minds as to how to continue the Preakness at Pimlico uh, indefinitely. It's going to need state legislature approval and some some work with the casinos to keep that uh, fund alive uh, for racetrack improvements, but but it's very interesting. The
2: plan now moves to the General Assembly in the next session. Which Uh, doesn't
1: start till January.
2: Right. The deal uh, had seemed uh, improbable, obviously. Yeah, seemed improbable uh, to me. At the beginning of the summer because everybody thought that last year's Preakness was going to be the last one in Baltimore.
1: Yeah, and Alan Rifkin has... uh, uh, apparently stepped up in a big way. We'll will be we'll be covering this moving forward. But again, if you want to read that, I got to push you over to the Baltimore Sun's website. It is big news in Baltimore.
2: Yes, it is. All right,
1: Craig. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Ryan thank you again. Uh, tomorrow, Project Game Day uh, will take place uh, at halftime, and then after the Ravens. Uh, game is whistled over uh, in Pittsburgh.
2: And also uh, the, the, the Ravens in Pittsburgh tomorrow, but also the Browns in San Francisco to take on the 49ers. That's Monday so night. That's, that's going to be an interesting game. Right. It is going to be an interesting game. Um,
1: that's going to wrap us up. Glenn Clark will be back on uh, Monday morning, 10 to 12, uh, to get things started on the Glenn Clark Show.